Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. It's for Pharrell on the bands, coast to coast, in the biggest way possible. The bad seed, a broken eight, a bad apple with a bad attitude, hanging around a bunch of bad letters, bad taste, bad life, bad dude, bad breath, bad attitude, bad vibes. We are chilling the most in the Pharrell Palatial, hanging out across the river and through the woods from where Grandma likes to roll up fatties in New York City. The Big Apple. <laughs> People dressed in plastic bags, directing traffic, some kind of fashion show. Get up, should do all my friend that come around, flat to flat party up. Rats on the west side, bed bugs uptown. What a mess, the town's tattered. My brain's splattered all over Manhattan. Should do be sure I Hey, it's Pharrell again on C to C, baby. Everybody's doing it. They just won't admit it. Look who it is. Mafia chilling the most with us. So uh, tell me, what is it like over in yonder? Because over here, I've seen civilians walking, riding bikes in packs. I've seen kids riding bikes. I even had young Chop try to pull a game off in my driveway with like three of her friends, her and the young gun. I'm like, social distancing, kid. What's wrong with you? We're not playing basketball with a bunch of kids. So it seems to me that there's some lax behavior going on now. The weather got nice. It started warming up. People started defying federal officials. And they weren't paying attention to stay home or stay away from people. What's happening where you live by civilians? You know, Scott, it's a lot of the same by me. I mean, you got people out and about. I mean, I've been part of that too, but not necessarily interacting with other people. But me and your fiance have been like you out hitting the streets, getting the run in because you got to get that workout in and stay healthy, even though you're locked down in your house. But I've seen it, plenty of people out for a stroll with the family. Or, you know, I saw the other day, we're ready to yell at a bunch of kids. There's like four or five of them congregating together on their bikes like, Sure, you want to go ride bikes, do your thing, but stay away from each other. Like, keep social distancing. Like you said, the, the park by me, they have, you know, this orange mesh fencing around the entrances, so you can't even get in because they don't want people hanging out. So um, has your uh, beer drinking taken you to alcoholism levels? Are you falling into a deep pit that you won't be able to crawl out of due to over-drinking beers? No, I have not. I've mixed it up a little bit. I've had some beer sometimes. I've had some, you know, hard alcohol and some bourbon. 
some wine other times, depending on what me and the fiance are doing. But, you know, we don't know how long this is going to last. You know, some people say it could be last a couple weeks. Some people say it could be six months. So you got to ration, even with the beer. I got to have the beer fridge. I have enough, but I got to take it a little at a time. I can't drink too much. Otherwise, I might not have enough. So I have been over to your house before, and there has been a self-made pool in the backyard. At least at a couple of the parties, there was some kind of a dipping pool or a kiddie pool or some kind of a wading pool. Has there been any sign of aqua in the backyard where you might be able to dangle your toes in the water yet? Or is it still too chilly? Or do you put your beers in a bag under the water like you were in some kind of movie down by the river? You know what? I haven't blown that up yet. We have the blow-up pool in the back that we put together for kids at parties that we've had. But I haven't thought about using it for myself yet. You know, that'd be a nice little lounge area to kind of just chill and lay back. And it might be a little cold for it so far. But, you know, I'm thinking of ways here and there as the weather's getting nicer to still stay cool. Like today I was out working on the car, you know, vacuuming it. You know, so when it gets nicer, it gets a little warmer, I'll start washing the car, playing with the hose just to keep cool when the times get hot and you're stuck inside. Have you thought, like I have, about killing your neighbors and stealing their beef? I have not. I've just stayed away from it. We got like seven pounds of fish, seven pounds of beef, seven pounds of chicken. And went all crazy on Costco before everything got quarantined. So we're good for now. But if we get to another month or so, there might be a little, uh, you know, thoughts of taking out people around us for their supplies, for sure. I think that would be a strong idea to consider for I care about no one else other than the people that matter in my life, including you and Carver High, because we have to do the gig. You can't have other people interfering with our space and world. We will destroy anyone that crosses our path in this time of war. I mean, yeah, let's, let's be honest, though. The, the big thing isn't about food right now. I don't think anybody's too worried about that because we all have that. The big thing is, would you take somebody out for a roll of toilet paper right now? That's what's really in high demand. It is true, but I think it's come back to somewhat normal levels. All right, so we wanted to uh, talk on this uh, Coast to Coast about uh, MMA, which is a nice way of saying in Portuguese, UFC. As you know, I no longer recognize other leagues. I don't want to talk about all the other ones that are posers. There's only one league that matters. It's the UFC. They're worth almost $5 billion. I don't have time to worry about all the other ones, even if the fights are good. I am not wasting my time with that because there's too much fun and action to talk about with the UFC, like some of the fine behavior exhibited by some of their athletes. We'll start with John Jones, one of my all-time favorites. He reminds me of some of the other guys that have been in trouble in the UFC previously. We've seen it all. Uh, but this guy's topping the charts. He's moved to the head of the class. He was arrested in New Mexico for alleged aggravated DWI, which is a nice way of saying extreme DUI, negligent use of a firearm, which in Portuguese means a gun. That happened, of course, last week, but it did not go well in Albuquerque. He was charged with the possession of an open container, no proof of insurance. He was released from custody after spending the evening overnight in the county metro detention center. He tested at or above twice the legal limit. 
he was administered a breathalyzer and failed that multiple times from what I was told. Uh, the story goes on and on, but what's your initial reaction to this ass hat? It's, you know, just another situation. This guy just is so stupid. This is the guy who could be, or probably is, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, mixed martial artists in the history of the sport. He surpassed everybody. He's, you know, better than probably Silva, better than Fedor, all these, you know, better than Couture, Dan Henderson, all these guys that people kick around, you know, Chuck Liddell. He is better than them all and still just can't get out of his own way. The only one who stops him is himself because he's so stupid and never grows up. And, you know, you thought when he was doing the Reyes fight, the interviews that he was doing, it sounded like for the first time in the guy's life, he'd grown up. So he finally matured now at 32 and, you know, realized what he had to do with his life and not screw around with the other stuff. You know, the cocaine he got busted over before, the DUIs, all the other dumb things he's done. You thought maybe this guy finally gets it. And then something like this happens where it's, nope, right back to the same John Jones. And no matter what happens with this guy, you know, you think like this guy is so incredible, but it's so much wasted potential because constantly he's getting in trouble. Suspended for DUI, suspended for cocaine, <laughs> suspended for steroids. And now once again, getting arrested, it's just you know a waste of this guy's potential, what he could have been. So uh, we'll go through all the litany of his other problems as we move on. But according to the Popo, the Albuquerque uh, Five Oak, a Ryder Vander, a Romeo Whiskey Velveeta, Ryder Lardas, a 18 Velveeta, Ryder Lardas, Ryder Simpleton, uh, yeah, Simpleton Lardas, Ryder 80. Uh, he responded to a gunshot at around one in the morning. The complaint stated that the officer saw a black Jeep with a man inside the vehicle in the driver's seat, identified as Jones, and another person outside the vehicle by the passenger side door. Did I ever tell you the story, Mafia, of when I crashed my Jeep Cherokee Limited loaded $40,000 truck? Yes, I heard about that one. So I heard all your stories at this point. I was driving exceedingly fast in California near Costa Mesa, and uh, a kid ran a red light. It was not my fault, but I was doing 50 miles an hour, and I had the right of way in a 40. I was going 10 miles over the speed limit easily, minding my own business, smoking a fatty, just moving on my merry way. And all of a sudden, I got T-boned in the side of my car, truck, Jeep, same kind of thing. The limited, loaded, Grand Cherokee, not good. Car completely totaled. Not only did I get T-boned, the car flew the curb, went through the air, smashed into a telephone pole right in the dead center of the front end. So I got T-boned on the side smashed, car sped up, jumped off the curb, smashed into a telephone pole, causing a massive crash in the middle of this intersection. How about this? Story gets even better. The kid who T-boned me backed up and drove off. He thought he'd pull the old hit and run. So what happened to him? Too bad someone got his license plate. They followed him and got his plate. And little did he know, later that night, ring, ring, the Popo got him for hit and run and blamed him for the entire thing. You got someone do a hit and run in the intersection, they know it's their fault no matter what happened with the other car. So all I know is the kid got busted, 
the kid's uh, dad, because it was a kid, he was like a teenager, his dad had to buy me a new truck. Therefore, his dad hated me forever and then had to realize that I was Pharrell on the bench. And he had to buy Pharrell on the bench, the loudmouth radio host, a new truck. Thus, he hated me more than forever. He hated me forever, all time forever, which is higher than forever. Forever, all time forever is higher than forever. And you know that, Mafia. When you have to buy other people cars and girlfriends and replace lives, this is a problem. Yeah, I mean, you've had multiple cars because you had that one of your accident and you had the other one that you've told about the car that you sold to the kid a week later. He flipped it and wrecked it and it was still on you because... That was even that. better. And then, I mean, this isn't the worst, obviously, that we've heard of UFC fighters. I mean, I still remember when Rampage high on energy drinks and not sleeping, like drove his, his personalized truck the wrong way up a road and hit... And that was the that was the fifty five in uh, in uh, Newport Beach. He drove up the wrong way on the highway on the fifty five, blasting the wrong direction, doing like seventy five miles an hour, going the wrong way. And didn't he hit yeah. some pregnant chick? He did. And John Jones, you know, did the same thing. He had the one where he was high and hit the pregnant chick, broke her arm, and then ran away. He did the hit uh, run, and then tried oh, to come did. back for his his weed and his money, and then got busted. Oh, that was awful. But I remember when uh, Rampage did it, we, like, um, crucified him on the radio. Do you remember? Yeah, deservedly so. I mean, when these guys do stupid things like that, they deserve to be taken to task. You know, putting other people's lives at risk, doing dumb things, it's not okay. It doesn't matter if you're famous. So when uh, the other truck I had, I had a Toyota 4Runner, right? And that uh, truck, uh, I sold it to my producer, and then he had it like less than a week and he didn't pay me for it. He had just got the truck, right? And I gave it to him and then he took the truck out on the 405 and flipped it and totaled it and completely, I mean, absolutely destroyed the truck, gone forever. They scraped it up, truck was destroyed. He never got the truck back ever. And then he never, he never paid me for the truck. He just had, I got nothing out of that deal. Nice job there. But that truck had 33-inch tires on it. It was a, a Bigfoot truck, which I would drive everywhere. San Francisco, L.A., up to Big Bear, up to Mammoth Skiing. And uh, that truck was awesome. I should have never sold him that truck. I'm still friends with that guy, but I should have never given him that truck. And I blame him for all of the UFC drivers getting Wrong way crashes with pregnant girls. I blame him for all of that. Listen, I want to point to the takeaway this guy's just licensed, too. I mean, this is the third accident he's got while drunk. He crashes Bentley, which was a one-car accident in New York back in, like, 2012. Then he had the hit and run with the pregnant woman that got him suspended and shipped him to UFC. Now this is the third time he's getting busted for being under the influence while driving. Like, why is this guy still have a license? What is the law doing about this, too? It's bad enough that the UFC kind of lets him get away with this stuff left and right, but... What is the courts doing? This guy stopped getting community service from him. Put him in jail. Take away his license. Do something to actually punish the guy. Crucify him. Absolutely. So my, so my producer's dad was a uh, Orange County sheriff. So his dad got him off on the. Uh, there was alcohol involved in the truck flipping, and his daddy got him off. Needless to say, his dad didn't like me either. I've had a lot of that over the years. Does your father not like me, like the rest of them? What is the status with your father's relationship with me? Is he blaming me for all of his problems, too, like all the rest of them? Or does he think I'm a great guy? Well, I wouldn't go as far as great guy. But, you know, when my parents first met you, of course, 
with the gravelly voice and the wildness that you are, the bad influence you became on me. Of course, at first, I'm like, well, what's going on? I don't know if I trust this guy. But, you know, the more parties they came to, the more times they hung around with you and your family. You know, they know all the things you do for me, so they appreciate you. But, you know, there's still that little wariness you can go off the handle at any point. All right, so the officer, when he uh, went through the field tests, wrote that he saw an open bottle of alcohol behind the passenger seat. Mavia, that is the move where you are drinking while driving, and you think that by throwing the beer or the drink in the back seat behind the driver's side seat that you're going to get away with it because you're a stupid ass. Yeah, not only was there a bottle, but it was only like a quarter full. So the guy drank three quarters of the bottle at some point or another. Claimed he had like one vodka drink hours before. But no, obviously, they smelt the booze. They found it in the back. He was drinking while driving. All right, so uh, the complaint said that Jones had bloodshot, watery eyes, and a strong odor of alcohol coming from his facial region. That would be his kicking booze breath. That's, yep. a nice, that's like cop language for... Uh, the strong odor of alcohol coming from the facial region. How stupid are cops to write like complaints like that? Why not just say he reeked of booze? Let's stop with all the facial region as if anyone gives a rat's ass. Yeah, you know, you have that sound effect that we played back in the radio show. Your breath stinks. And that, that's what it was. The guy reeked of alcohol. He admitted to driving earlier and had intention of driving again. You know you're drunk when you admit that you've been driving, and that when you're done getting arrested for drunk driving, you're planning on driving again. <laughs> yeah, because apparently when they pulled him over, he wasn't even driving. He was just sitting at some street corner talking. He claims talking to the homeless people there because he was stir crazy and you know, treating them like people, as he says, trying to make himself look better. Like, oh, I talked to them like they're human beings. Well, yeah, they are. And then they found the gun. They found the booze. He had, you know, allegedly weed on him because they said there's green stuff that looked and smelled like marijuana. It was just like one thing after the next after the next on this guy. All right, so respectfully, I have one minute. So, gee, do you think the green stuff that looks like marijuana could actually be marijuana? Yeah, especially when you've got busted for it before. That was when he had the first crash, when he crashed in the pregnant, or the second crash, sorry. When he had the pregnant woman, there was weed in the car. He's been busted for weed before. This isn't the first time. It's obviously weed. He uh, did very poorly, it says here, on all of his field tests. I have a feeling he's performed poorly on field tests in the past and failed again. I love the arrest video from the cops' lapel camera that uh, they have shown to the media. We've seen him. He admitted he was drinking vodka and told the officer he was stir-crazy, like you had said. He'd been indoors and that it was time for him to take a little drive. Uh, and his first drive in two weeks, well, that didn't go well. Uh, and you said he was trying to be nice to homeless people. We'll talk more poorly about John Jones. And we're going to get into what's going to happen with UFC 249 coming up on Coast to Coast. Pull over, son. I think you've got facial smoke, facial breath, too. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. 
Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood, we bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Coast to coast for all with you. Mafia's with me, Brian Ciano. Of course, uh, you've seen him on Coast to Coast a bunch of times, doing the updates, been with me forever, doing the radio show as well. And he's a big shot now at Sports Grid. He came over with me from LoserCom Radio. Uh, so um, we're talking about John Jones. So he was administered three field sobriety tests at the conclusion. The cop said he had to arrest him for DWI. When he was cuffed, Jones said he had bad anxiety and he became emotional as he was loaded into the back seat of the cop car. The Jeep was towed from the scene. Upon uh, a search, a handgun was found under the seat along with a spent round outside the driver's side uh, door. The complaint stated that the round matched the caliber of the gun, so they knew he was shooting the gun. And uh, that uh, they said that uh, the, the gun would be tested to determine whether it was used in any crimes. Uh, as part of the investigation into the incident, our gun violence reduction unit will test the firearm and bullet casing to determine whether the gun has been used in any crimes. Reducing gun violence in Albuquerque is our top priority. Uh, Jones' team uh, declined to comment about that because they know he's got legal woes now, Mafia. But here's the deal. Uh, the reason they won't comment is because he's going to court and they have to build a case to defend him from going to jail. But there is no reason to believe, in my view, a guy with multiple DUIs, multiple drug arrests, multiple failed drug tests. And I mean, he's hit and run. He's done everything. And then they catch him drunk on vodka, fails three sobriety tests. And they knew that there were gunshots in the area. Then they find out the gunshots were from his gun in his car and the bullet outside the car was from his gun. He is Pharrelled. I don't care who his lawyer is. Yeah, let's not forget also, we haven't even talked about the one where he uh, was at a strip club last year and pled no contest to groping and slapping and choking a waitress when she wouldn't kiss him. So, you know, he already has a court case that's just happened within the last year. And the gun's going to be the real thing that's going to be the big problem because obviously gun charges are a lot more strict and, you know, worrisome in just about everywhere than drinking and driving. Because obviously this guy's got busted twice for DUI, hasn't done a day of jail yet. So the gun thing is going to be what really gets him, I think. And that's going to be the big problem that, you know, these guys popping off rounds. You know, it's one thing if they find a gun and he says, I haven't shot it and they don't have any proof that he did. But when you find an empty shell casing right there, you know, he shot the gun at some point. You don't know what he was doing with it, but... That's going to be the big thing that gets him, you know, in a lot of hot water and probably does him in. So in New Mexico, uh, aggravated DWI carries a maximum penalty of 90 in jail, 90 days, one year of probation, plus a mandatory penalty of 48 hours in jail. 
The maximum penalty for negligent use of a deadly weapon is six months in jail. The maximum penalty for no proof of insurance, which he also didn't have, is 90 days in jail. Uh, I mean, he was on probation for disorderly conduct uh, from the April strip club incident that ended, that, that ended January 8th, that probation. Prosecutors are working with local law enforcement and they'll get the lapel video and other discovery evidence from the arresting officer and then they'll move on from there. Um, he won his first title in 2011, considered one of the greatest ever. Uh, he's had all kinds of problems outside of the octagon. That's all there is to uh, the scene here. You got multiple arrests, multiple failed drug tests. Um, he lives and trains in Albuquerque. I know he likes it there. It hasn't been good to him. I don't care what anybody says. The guy's been nothing but trouble. This is his second DWI. Uh, he was charged with a crime he talked about in 2012 in his home state of New York. In 2015, he was convicted of felony hit and run. You had mentioned that. He was on probation until 2018. He pled no contest to disorderly conduct last April, or excuse me, October, after initially being charged with the uh, slapping the uh, stripper in the uh, strip club uh, in the, let's say, home plate region, pulling uh, her uh, down to his lap and kissing her neck, basically... Uh, in not so many words, molesting her in the club. I mean, this guy is, let's just get down to it. He's a pig, and he's an idiot, and he's a multiple offender of drugs and booze and drug drivings and guns. I mean, Christ Almighty, what are they doing in Albuquerque, New Mexico, where they let this celebrity do whatever he wants, and everybody else is doing hard jail time? I mean, what person in their right mind gets away with his stuff? They've got to stop treating this guy like it doesn't matter what he does, like he's running roughshod over the law and over everyone else that's a, a good person or civilian that does nothing wrong. He is on the verge, it would appear to me, of killing someone very soon. That'll be the next one. He's going to kill someone either drunk driving, drug driving, or he's going to shoot someone dead. I mean, he's lucky he didn't shoot someone dead the other night when he got busted with the gun. Yeah, and you know, let's face it too. This guy has gotten in trouble in Rochester and Buffalo, you know, that area in upstate New York, and Albuquerque, New Mexico. Can you imagine what this clown would be like in New York or LA where there's so much stuff going on? Like it's in the middle of nowhere where he lives, and still he can't stay out of trouble. Imagine what would happen if you put this kid in a big city, the havoc he would wreak. I mean, it's amazing that he hasn't been locked up yet. But then again, if he was in those cities, if he was in New York, if he was in LA, they wouldn't be putting up with this crap. He would have been locked up already. Because no New York, they don't mess around with guns, you know. Plaxico Burris found that out. So they wouldn't be putting up with this. This kid would be locked up for two years automatic. He's lucky that he is where he is because they let it go because of celebrity, because he's, you know, popular in this little town in New Mexico. But someone's got to step up to the plate and say, listen, throw his ass in jail. Because suspending him from the UFC and stripping him didn't do it. Sending him to rehab that he stayed for, what, like two weeks? Didn't do it. Someone needs to lock his ass up. Otherwise... Like you said, someone's going to end up dead, and it might be him, or, you know, sadly, what would be even worse is it might be someone else. Well, that's what's going to happen, because uh, the guy that just keeps boozing and using and doing uh, is the one that does the damage. He'll kill someone else, and then he lives forever. The guy that, that everyone thinks should be the one that dies, the, you know, the junkie or the raging alcoholic, the guy that gets five DUIs and crashes and, you know, it's always him that lives and the family that he kills driving the wrong side on the freeway. That's the uh, moral of the story. Everybody knows it. Tell me about uh, 2014 when he got popped for doing cocaine uh, before the uh, D.C. fight against uh, Daniel Cormier. I mean, this guy, he tops the cake. 
not only does he do everything else, but he's doing blow before fights. I mean, that's a, I mean, like, who does that? I mean, it just, it sounds like a lot of fun, though, actually, when you think about it. He did blow right before the fight. I wonder if it was good. I'm just kidding. (laughs) It wasn't even, the thing was, it wasn't even right before the fight. It was like a couple months before, you know, when they started testing for that fight camp. You know, he was doing it while he was training. And then they found out a couple months later, oh, yeah, he tested positive, by the way. Like a week before the fight, they mentioned, oh, yeah, this happened. He, he failed the drug test. But you know what? We're going to let him fight anyway because he makes the money. So they let him get away with murder. And so that happened, and they let it go, and he beat DC. And then they went to go fight again, and that's when he got popped for the steroids. But you know, later it was a, a tainted supplement for uh, Cialis. He needed a little male enhancement. <laughs> wait, 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 yeah. wait, 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 wait. So you're telling me that he failed a PED test and blamed it on, uh, like, you know, sex pills? Yeah, he claimed that there was a pill that was, you know, like Cialis <laughs> that he had taken, and apparently he thought it was tainted. And they gave the pills, and they proved that they were tainted, but still they suspended him a little bit, obviously, because it's on him to not get busted for these things. And then he had the other one the next year. They brought him back to fight DC again. And the one that he got, t- you know, busted for the tainted supplement was UFC 200. It was the biggest card they ever put on. He was a headliner against Cormier, and he got yanked and screwed up the whole card. Then they came back a year later in July to go fight again, and he fights DC, and then gets popped for the steroids there. And that time, it wasn't just a tainted supplement. It was steroids were part of you know, his test. So they suspended him, and his suspension got reduced because allegedly he turned somebody in. You know, Some other cheater, he busted them so that he got less of a suspension. So the guy's a cheater, he's a drug addict, and, and a rat. Oh my God! You can't even make this stuff up. You're kidding me. Like so, he's a narc too. So we know that in you're talking about the second time before Cormier, uh, you know, at two fourteen, it was uh, steroids that he got popped for. So he's failed. I mean, A to Z, every imaginable drug. I mean, party drugs and juice. And then these people like making money so much that they keep letting him fight. Why in God's name does he get a license to fight in states? And why, obviously the UFC won't get rid of him because he's like the best pound for pound fighter ever and they like making money. So I guess they don't care. What's next? They're going to let murderers fight? Listen, as far as they're concerned, if he wins, then they will fight him. As long as he gets pay-per-view buys, they will keep throwing him in there. You know, they'll suspend him for a couple months when he's not supposed to be fighting anyway. And then when they're supposed to fight, yep, your suspension's over. Go ahead, fight. I mean, he really should have lost that fight to Reyes. It was really close. He'd go either way. I'm a little biased, so I think that Reyes beat him. He lost the first Gustafson fight. That one I'm definite about. So, but as far as his record goes, you know, the only fight he technically has lost on his record is the one where he got the illegal arm, you know, the legal elbows. So that wasn't even a real loss. So really, the guy's undefeated, and that's why they keep throwing him in there because he's a huge attraction. No one can beat him. But once he starts losing, you know, we talked about with Conor McGregor and his antics. Once they start losing... They'll throw you the curve. So right now, while he's at the top of his game and can still beat people, he's okay, and the UFC will keep throwing him in there, and he'll keep making money. The second he doesn't make the money, he'll be out the door. But that might be five, six years down the road. But, you know, you talked about the steroids and the drugs. That's the thing, too, is when you get a guy like this and, oh, he's incredible, he's great, and let's not, you know, paint things with a rose-colored glasses for the UFC. There's been plenty of steroid cheats, okay? It's not just him. They had all those guys on TRT forever until they started taking that away, and suddenly these guys – got a lot weaker, and started losing fights. So obviously there's been plenty of guys who have cheated throughout the UFC's history and guys who have been at the top of the game like him. But 
you know, when a guy tests positive like him, you wonder how much was it? You know, how long did he do it? How many times has he been using and, you know, upping his performance and beating all these guys? Are all these legit wins? Or all of a sudden do you start to say, you know what, that fight, he looked like he little something extra at the end that the other guy didn't have. Maybe he was on juice then, you know, just like these guys who hit home runs in the majors. Once you get busted once, all your numbers are starting to be put into question. So, uh, Mafia with us on Coast to Coast. So, you know, you talk about Reyes gave him a fight, and you talk about these other guys that have fought him, right? And um, in all reality, I think that everyone thinks Reyes is the guy that he should fight again, right? Because it was so close. And a lot of people thought Reyes beat him. But is there anyone else that they can send into the octagon down the pipeline at heavyweight or whatever that can beat him or that can give him a better fight than Reyes? What is the future hold for this guy the way he's dominated the division? You know what? Outside of Reyes, there isn't anybody that's names really pop up huge. You know, there's guys that are going to make their, their names and run their mouth, try to get there and get to him and get that big money fight. You know, Thiago Santos has called for a rematch ever since he fought him last year and uh, was before Reyes, the guy who took him closest to losing type of deal. But now I think Reyes is, you know, the clear number one. You got to put that rematch in there because of how close that fight was. That even Dana White after the fight said, you know, my son texted me and said, you know, Reyes run. You know, he thought Reyes won. So, of course, they're going to put that in there. They got that hype. As long as the hype train is going right now of how good that fight was, they're going to throw it again right in the same cage because that's what they do. Anytime you have two guys that fight well, that fight tough, that have controversy, they're going to throw them in there, like Diaz and McGregor. You know, it's all about the controversy and about the draw for the UFC. It's not necessarily about the rankings or who deserves it. The biggest challenge for him would probably be to go up to heavyweight. And that's what he's talked about for years. And that's one thing, you know, when these steroid tests popped up, people were like, well, maybe he's juicing to try to get heavier to try to get that extra muscle. Because if you go up against a guy like Stipe at heavyweight, you know, as good as he is, when those guys get up there in that, that weight class, they punch a lot harder. They, you know, they're a lot stronger for the grappling. You know, all that stuff is So what's he at? He's at, like, he's at 205. He's at yeah, light heavy at 205. 205, and what are they fighting at maximum fighting, on fight night? Ma- maximum for heavyweight is 265. But, you know, a lot of those guys, like a Stipe is probably like 230, 245. You know, Cormier, when he was at weight class, was like that. You'll have some guys that are huge like that. Brock Lesnar had to cut to get to 265. Well, what would he do if he, uh, let's say, put on 20 pounds? Could he handle a guy coming in at 250 or 245 or, or even 260. That's what would remain to be seen because, you know, his body type, he's very lean guy. So I don't know if you put on that muscle, how much muscle you could put on to get to that. I think fighting a guy like 240, 250, 260, you know, it's tough. And you don't realize that all the time when you're on the feet or you don't realize necessarily in the grappling, but all of a sudden when you're on your back, you realize the weight difference. You know, I found that out when I was training MMA. There were guys that I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm taller, I'm bigger, I'm stronger. And all of a sudden, they throw that belly on top of you when they're when you're on your back, and you're like, I, I can't move. You know, that's just what happens when these guys get heavier. So uh, the UFC uh, obviously doesn't comment about his problems, uh, other than you know, uh, I'm sure Dana's done interviews where he's talked about how disappointed he is and, and yada yada, right? But do you believe that? Because I do that. Um, they have to have a clause in his contracts now because he's had so much trouble. Uh, that they have to have something in there that says that they can get rid of this guy, uh, that he's got no leverage against them based on his priors and his problems and his drugs and his being suspended before and everything else. Respectfully, I got two minutes. What does the UFC have in their pocket that we don't know about that could uh, be the death of this guy uh, contractually? 
Well, listen, I've never actually like read word for word what a UFC contract says, so I can't say legally what they can do, but judging by what they've done in the past, they can do whatever they want, whenever they want, because that's how it always seems to be. It doesn't matter what happens with these fighters. It doesn't matter what they do. The UFC says, you know what? I'm done with you. They'll just get rid of you and not pay you a damn penny. You know, you only get paid for fighting. It's not like these other sports where you have guaranteed deals. You only get paid to show up and fight. So if you're not fighting and they decide to terminate the contract, you're done. They won't do that with him because he makes the money. But for now, you know, they could suspend him and strip him like they did before with the cocaine and the hit and run. We'll see if they do that. I don't think they're going to because then that would push that Reyes fight back further. And then, you know, obviously he's getting pushed back by the pandemic now. But, you know, rematch for that it could happen later in the end of this year. But if they suspend him and ship him for six months or something like that, then, you know, Reyes can go and fight somebody else and lose. And then all of a sudden the luster of that is off and you got to find someone else for him. So I think they're going to, you know, give him some BS suspension of three to six months where he wouldn't be fighting anyway because of everything going on. And then they'll bring him back and fight him against Reyes because that's going to make him money. So respectfully, I got uh, 30 seconds. Do you think he's going to do any jail time? Probably not because the pattern has been that he hasn't yet. He should. I think he should do two years. I don't think he'll get any, though. Two years. He's not getting two years. But uh, I could see him getting a couple months. I could see him getting two or three months. I could see him even getting six months. And I think I could see him getting suspended by the UFC for another stretch because he continues to embarrass them and himself and make the sport look bad. And it's repetitive behavior. You cannot let the dog keep biting you before you get rid of the dog. And how many times are you gonna let the dog bite you before you get rid of it? I mean, that's all there is to it. When we come back, we'll talk about UFC 249, which is the one everybody's waiting for. Uh, the Nurmagomedov fight with Tony Ferguson and where that's going to be on Coast to Coast. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you, because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down. And too many people fall victim to the picture-perfect image of the high life, so I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. We can laugh, man. We, we gonna learn. And most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is gonna be your church, your turn up, and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Coast to Coast, Pharrell with Mafia, Brian Siano. We're talking UFC. You gotta love it. Somebody's gonna get jacked up, lit in the face with an elbow. Mafia, as you know, I go running. And when I'm running, sometimes I'll run like a mile and a half one way and run back, right? And when I get to the end of the one and a half, I'll stop and I'll do jumping jacks. I'll do some, uh, you know, I'll just get a little. <laughs> and then I'll drop a little MMA elbow. <laughs> and then I. <laughs> 
<laughs> and then a knee. And then a <laughs> Do you think that people that drive by and see me doing those maneuvers feel that I'm A, a UFC fighter, or B, criminally insane? Well, anybody that drives by you in your neighborhood probably knows you from, you know, your reputation or simply from your voice. And if they know you, then they know that it's obviously B, you're criminally insane. So my uh, dog, Boston, the other day, uh, stole a baseball from Chop and Gunner. They were playing catch, and the ball got by one of them, and the dog obtained the ball. Once the dog had the ball, the dog refused to give up the ball. And I mean to tell you, there was no getting the ball. Even when they got the dog, they still never got the ball. When they tried to open the dog's jaws, the dog's jaw would not move one millimeter. You could not pry that dog's mouth open if you had large tools. The dog's jaw is the strongest thing I've ever seen. If the dog bit you, you would die. So the dog was growling and getting nasty and vicious. And when he put the ball down, if you went near the ball, he was going to bite your face. So I obtained a shovel. And when I brought the shovel near the dog to get the ball, the dog attacked the shovel. That did not go well for the dog. The dog realized that the shovel wasn't going anywhere. And then the dog decided that the shovel was a problem. So the dog backed off of the ball. I got the ball, and then the dog started giving me the business by growling and getting into a pose like he was going to attack me. Then I started swinging the shovel. Then neighbors saw me swinging the shovel at the dog. Then the neighbors believed that I was abusing the dog. So they were standing and watching and admiring my work with a look of, we're calling animal control. Then I proceeded to walk toward them with the shovel, swinging the shovel in the air as though I was going to hit them with it. How do you think that went over? I wouldn't be surprised if the police were at your house later that day. And speaking of criminally insane, your dog is that as well. I mean, if your dog, if there's a baseball that gets to your dog, I would treat it like the dog in the sandlot. When the baseball goes over the fence, like once the dog has it, it's gone. Forget it ever happened because you're not getting it. I would not go near that dog's mouth for anything, you know, short of my child, I would not go near your dog's mouth because that thing will snap at you. It's crazy. I wouldn't try it. Do you think I should let that dog growl and uh, and attack my kids no. over a baseball? Do you, think I should, do you think I should have to tolerate that, that my dog is willing to attack us over a baseball? Should I protect my children or should I worry what the neighbors think? How do you think I handled it? Well, we already know you don't care what the neighbors think with anything that you do. So that's not surprising at all. I mean, you should you definitely got, protect you your that. kids over the dog. I mean, maybe if you just took the dust buster out and kind of brought it near it, it might have run away scared because dogs hate vacuum. So you probably could have gotten the ball that way. You're probably right. That would have been a lot more sensitive. Uh, hopefully the Albuquerque police will handle John Jones smarter in the future. Let's talk about UFC 249. Can I tell you where I think they're going to have it? Sure. I think they're going to have it in Russia. Because I think they let him go home. I think they let uh, Habib go home to finish training. Why would they let him go home and fly him all the way to Russia and then make him fly where? 
to the center of the Pharrell-demic in the United States of America, where there's more virus than anywhere else, than more than China, more than Italy, more than Spain, more than anywhere, the U.S. is the biggest problem. They're not having that fight. We know that already in Brooklyn. But they won't announce at, at the point of when we tape this show, right? They wouldn't announce where they were having it. So I thought at the time of this taping that it would have been Russia. Uh, and obviously, they're going to make that announcement. Where do you, you know, do you think it's going to be? I, I think it's going to be in Russia somewhere. Like, I don't think, you know, I don't know what their situation is over there. I know for a fact they have the virus in, in Moscow. I know they do. Where do you think they would have this fight? You know, they have the virus everywhere. So the only way they're going to do it is some government or entity that, you know, is willing to take the risk of putting on the fight for the, you know, getting on TV. That's all it is. And, you know, there's been Russia's thrown about. They've talked about, you know, Native American reservations in the U.S. because they govern themselves or, you know, Florida or other, you know, other South America. I mean, no matter where they're having it, it's stupid. It's just an unneeded risk. And I get why they're doing it. There's a number of reasons. You know, it could be whether it's that this is the fifth time they put this fight together and the other four times someone pulled out with an injury. So they wanted to just happen. They don't want to take the chance of putting it off. Or it's because Khabib celebrates Ramadan. So from the end of April to the end of May, he can't train or fight or really eat for most of the day. And it takes him 45 days after that to recover. So you're talking about by the time he could fight again in September, you know, or the fact that they're just losing money because they're not broadcasting any fights. They're not having any audience at any fights. All that ESPN money is probably going away right now. And, you know, their parent company is cutting off people left and right on the other side of things in the hotel management area, in the, you know, their, their agency. There's been layoffs. The UFC says they don't want to have layoffs. Dana White said he's not fighting anybody, but they need money to come in, so they can't do that. So I get why they're trying to have it, but it's just stupid, and it's putting so many people at risk. So the fight is and has been, it's Habib against Tony Ferguson, and uh, White has said no matter what, they're having the fight. Joe Rogan says he won't uh, broadcast it if it happens. And then Dana said there'll be a full card, and uh, there's even talk of Naganu being added after his fight on an earlier card was canceled. What do you think of his opinion to have it no matter what? And what do you think of Joe Rogan's opinion and stance that he won't broadcast it no matter what? And we already know he's a hard ass. Uh, you know, I applaud him for that, you know, because he's being safe and he's keeping him, him his family, whoever he knows. He's doing what we're supposed to be doing in this time right now. So it's smart for him to say, you know what, I love the sport, but I'm not putting myself at risk for it. You know, there's been other, you know, pay-per-view cards that he hasn't done because of them being out of the country or other areas. But, you know, how are all these fighters going to travel? You know, you talked about Khabib, if they're going to bring him out of Russia to somewhere else, you know, if they let him go to Russia. But, you know, if Dana White is saying you're going to have a full fight card, that's 10, 11 fights. That's 20, 22 fighters. Traveling from where? You know, a lot of these guys that are supposed to fight on UFC 249 were coming from New York. You know, you can't leave New York right now. Or Tony Ferguson's in California. How are they going to get him out of there? You know, plus you got to bring cornermen and cutmen and, you know, whoever else is coming with you in your corner. That's another two, three people. You have people from the commission for wherever it is. You have, you know, the broadcasters, you know, the camera operators, the sound guys. I mean, you're talking about hundreds about, of people that are going to be there. What about the ring girls? Uh, hopefully they're smart to at least cut them out of this deal. I mean, if they're not going to have fans, you, know, you don't need the ring girls. They can come to my house. They can <laughs> yeah. just, you can send them to my house. 34C and I'll take care of the ring girls. Everything. Walk around your living room with the signs in between rounds. We can do some other things, too. That I can think of some other, like, little fun things we could do around the house with the ring girls. Let me ask you this question. Um, 
They've been booked four times before, and it's been called off because of injuries. Is this just the bad luck fight of all time? Yeah, it's been the most cursed fight they've ever tried to put together in the UFC history. I mean, and most of them were Tony Ferguson. The guy just has random injuries sometimes. And he's, you know, nothing against him. It's not like this guy's some soft guy that doesn't want to fight Khabib. This guy's a badass, and he's one of the best fighters in the sport. But somehow he just gets these freak injuries, like the one before the last fight when they were supposed to fight in Brooklyn. He was doing press in L.A. the week before and, like, stepped off the curb wrong, and all of a sudden his back was screwed up and he couldn't fight. So it's just been freak injuries that these guys have had that's kept him out and kept this fight from happening before. So um, what do you think it's done uh, in terms of uh, to these fighters in terms of, you know, when you train and then it keeps getting called off and then you get it announced again and you train and you get your mind and body ready for that assault and violence and then it gets called off again. Then it gets set again. You train again and again, and then a pandemic hits. And at some point, do you think that it's like uh, maybe a sign or a message from above that maybe you shouldn't have the fight? What do you think it does to these guys physically and mentally uh, to damage them? Because at some level, it has to. Like, it has to, like, if I were them now, I know they play all cool on TV, like nothing bothers them, but you know that's phony, right? Yeah, and then, you know, it's part of the game to a degree, but it's still messing with you mentally when all of a sudden you're getting ready for this fight, you're at your peak you know, physical condition, and something breaks down and you can't do it. You know, there's a lot of not just physical but mental preparation going into fighting these guys. So to have it get called off for one reason or another, you switch opponents, it's not easy. It sucks. It probably drains them a little bit. But, I mean, the bigger thing for me is what is this pandemic doing to their training, too? Not only the risk of them catching the virus from traveling or being around all these people or things like that. Like, how do you train when your gyms are closed? You know, you can't really you know, grapple and box these guys and do these rounds of training you're doing because you're not allowed to have people in the gym. So what are they doing here? How are they getting in shape? You know, they put themselves physically at risk trying to do this fight because they might not be prepared like they usually are. I don't understand how the rest of the world, no one's going near each other. Like, so I go uh, running, as I've said, and I'm running, minding my own business. And um, like, I'll see other people running or people walking, right? And they literally, people dive bomb off the sidewalk. If you're running on it, like, you know, I don't like run like looking down the road. I run like looking in front of me and making sure there's no, you know, potholes and stuff that I could, you know, crack an ankle in and roll it, right? So I'm just looking in front of me. And then I look up and there's someone coming toward me. And uh, they all veer out of the way. I saw women walking and they spread out like field goals like literally like goalposts away from each other. And then I ran down the middle of them and they both like freaked out. And I was still six, eight feet away from them and they were freaked out by me. Why should fighters get into an octagon and be all over each other like lovers, beating the crap out of each other, grounding and pounding, locking themselves up by, you know, full Nelsons, full arm bars, full uh, triangles, any other moves that I don't know the name of, you can inject now, right at this point. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this when all this started and the UFC held that event in Brazil, where we're saying, like, this is the worst sport possible to, you know, have going on during this pandemic, during this virus, because easily they could spread all the contact you have with people, all the, the fluids flying out of your mouth, off your head, you know, the sweat, Ooh, everything. Like, there's so much contact with them. Like, how are you doing this? This is stupid. This is impossible. 
And then they had to cancel those three events, and now they're still trying to do this one. And you got to see, you know, because now Nagano's come out and said that the UFC set up, you know, testing for him. So allegedly they're testing their fighters that they're not getting COVID-19. But are they testing all the people that are going to be in the building, all the cornermen, all the broadcasters, all the commission people? And if they are, then that begs the question of, like the NBA and like major, you know, some of these other sports, well, why are these rich people getting tested when the general public can't find a test to make sure that they're not sick? So, you know, again, it's it, it, why is this possible? Why is this allowed? So, um, you know, another running story, and I've been reading about this, right, in the paper. Because, uh, as you know, I just learned how to read a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I read that they're like people in Central Park or whatever, uh, you know, because it's like a lot of people are walking and running, right? And so uh, there's too many in New York City. And New York City is the epicenter of the problem, right? It's the number one spot for the virus. And, uh, but they're very worried about pe too many people being in the park. And then they did an entire story, like just this giant story, I think in the weekend Sunday paper, about people looging. And you know, when you run, you have so many fluids and you have snots and lugs and like, you know, cack or whatever in your mouth when you're running and people are running and, you know, just blasting lugs when they run onto the, you know, into the air and onto the ground. And that that is now offending people everywhere. They're like, you know, can you run without luging? That would be nice. Can you even believe it's come down to that? that you, like when I'm running, I'm spitting on the ground and now people are offended by that. Like everyone's freaking out. Well, especially during this time, you know, now it's spring. Now all these flowers are opening on all these, you know, trees and bushes and things like that. So you're getting the pollen in the air. People are getting, you know, the allergies kicking up. So you, it's not even just, you know, just from running that you get all the stuff in your throat that you got to get rid of. But all the pollen and stuff is affecting you too now that you're outside and having to do that instead of running at the gym. So I don't know how you're expecting people to run without, you know, getting rid of the lugs every now and then. So now you're telling me that I'm going to start getting that green like pollen cack all over my car again, where every day my car is covered and douched with pollen cack. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, of course. I mean, especially in your driveway too, you got those trees that hang right over top. Not only that, but now the birds are going to start coming back too. So you're going to get a lot of bird poop on your car as well. <laughs> the birds no car wash to go to. have already started cabling on my car. I have been cleaning off bird cable from my car for weeks now, every single day I go out and they cable on my black car. I hate birds, all birds. They drive me nuts. They're like that movie, The Birds. Tell me about, I'm under two minutes. I'm about 90 seconds, respectfully. Connor McGregor's, uh, I guess, aunt got the Hanta and uh, she died. I don't even want to be around him. Yeah, he said weeks ago that, you know, today, uh, you know, on social media talking about how, you know, screw coronavirus that you know it took his mom's sister and you know he lost his head and that's terrible and you know your heart goes out to him but so many people have lost so many people throughout all this but you know what it's done good for him actually you know i'll give him credit because usually this is a guy that only cares about himself he's the biggest tool in the world he's gone out there and he's done psas for the people of ireland saying listen stay home like don't go out you know he's all about isolating and not you know social distancing and trying to help ireland not be affected as much the rest of the world. And he's donated a million euros worth of equipment to help people on the front line. So he's actually putting his money where his mouth is and doing the right thing for once in his life. 20 seconds, Colby Covington's running his mouth again. I saw something about possibly fighting Lawler. Is there any chance of that happening? There is, but it seems like, you know, the way he runs his mouth, it seems like he wants Mosfidal because when this guy calls somebody out, he wants to get in the cage with him. If he's not going to get Usman, then take a big fight against him for big money. But I thought he called out Usman. 
Yeah, but it, it doesn't seem like they're going to give him to Usman right away again. All right, Mafia, great job today talking about people going to jail because they're alcoholics, drug addicts, and they carry guns around. And about people looging. And about dogs trying to bite my face. It's always a pleasure to have you on Coast to Coast. Take care, and I'll see you soon, and don't touch me. All right, Scotty. Stay healthy. There he is, Mafia, getting involved on Coast to Coast. Everybody's doing it. They just won't admit it. Shake out who? Pharrell. Coast to Coast! And, you know, uh, Nick Foles ended up going in a trade uh, to Chicago, won the Super Bowl, and carried the Eagles on his back. I frankly think that that earns respect in some capacity or another in my book. That doesn't mean he's the savior. It just means that that was probably a moment that was one of his highlights that he deteriorated significantly last year. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, everyone. It's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.